Hello and welcome to the Dyslexia Mom Boss Podcast, the show that helps you not only feel empowered and knowledgeable, but confident and a boss mom in the dyslexia journey. I'm your host, Dr. Lauren. Welcome back to the Dysgraphia series. If you are new to this podcast, I do want to say welcome, welcome, and welcome. This podcast was really created and inspired by my experiences in the classroom, seeing students struggling, working with parents and teachers to really understand how we can best fit the needs to accommodate our language-based learning difference to children and students. And so, as I said, if you are new to this podcast, there is a wealth of knowledge for you to delve and dig into where you can listen to moms sharing their journey, their story, and really get that validation. And you can also listen to other service providers that I have on this podcast who share how you can get evaluated or what it's like to have an educational therapist, what it's like to go through and know the Orton-Gillingham process and becoming a fellow and all of those amazing things. And I have really put together a whole bunch of resources that I feel should be accessible for all. And working with families now over a decade, I have realized that things that I've experienced in on-the-job training and my own expertise and certification, this isn't common knowledge. And so This podcast was really created for that very reason. So if you are an avid listener, you are well aware of my why and why this podcast exists. But if you are new, I invite you to listen to several other podcasts, whatever titles resonate with you, because, you know, as I always say, together we can change the narrative. So this series is a three out of four part for dysgraphia. Now, If you're wondering, what about dyslexia and dyscalculia or dyscalculia? Those are series I did earlier. I believe those were more season one. And this is a later season. So you can bounce around. None of these really have to go in order, but I just wanted to kind of put that out there. So this episode is focusing on that motor dysgraphia. So that messy handwriting. And again, All of these signs and symptoms were taken from understood.org. And as I've said before, I always like to find credible sources to really share with my audience because I don't believe in just made up stuff. Obviously, I have on the job training of certain things that I've done and things that I've seen that are effective and also things that aren't effective. But I think a lot of this should be grounded in research. And understood.org is really a place where there are advocates, parents, service providers, specialists who really do the great work of making everything very accessible and digestible. So I pull a lot of the materials and things that I create from understood.org to really give parents those accessible resources. So if you are not familiar with this website, I hope you've already been Googling it as you're listening, whether you're walking or working out. I hope you're not doing it while you're driving. But let's delve into today's episode discussing the signs and symptoms for messy handwriting. So handwriting difficulties can really come into play in a variety of different ways. I think for me personally, whenever I think of 
students struggling with their handwriting, I think of the more primary ages. So, you know, really K through three. I have seen some students struggle with their handwriting in the higher grades in elementary school, fourth and fifth grade. But it's so important to intervene the earlier, the better. And usually an occupational therapist can really help guide you through that process. But here are some signs and symptoms. So if your child is really struggling, like it's messy or extremely hard to read, forming letters, placing letters and words on the page. I know I talked about this in the last episode where if you have a regular college ruled or non-college ruled paper where there's the three holes, you have that red line. Well, students that really struggle with dysgraphia may not know where to place that. So last episode, I talked about that perception depth of where to place it on the paper. Well, this is more of like, how big are their letters? Are they writing them? Is it taking two lines to write an uppercase letter? Where are they placing the letter? When I work with students, when I do handwriting, and I am not an occupational therapist, so the extent of handwriting that I work on is more so using the Wilson paper. So those educators out there, or maybe some parents, you might be aware of this. I love it because they're symbols. Now, obviously you have to make this age appropriate. And I think it's more for K through two, but they have the cloud, the airplane, the grass, and then the worm. And it's awesome because I can say, you know, for those upstairs letters, you know, cloud to grass, make sure it's only in between that. Or if it's a downstairs letter, like a P or a J, then we start at, I believe it's the airplane and we're going to go all the way down to the worm. I think the worm is underneath the grass. I have to double check, but either way, those are things that I usually do whenever I work on handwriting, but that's tied into spelling a word pattern that we're working on. Hey, it's your favorite podcast host, Dr. Lauren. Have I told you how much I appreciate you as a listener? Well, if I haven't, I want to tell you just how much I do today. You're the reason I come back every week with top-notch content with guests to help you navigate this DQ journey. But I got to tell you, organizing and getting these episodes up and running doesn't come cheap. I have a fantastic podcast team that takes care of me and you to ensure that episodes are high quality and show notes are detailed and riddled with goodies for you to use and apply for your next steps in this journey. But can I ask you a favor? We'd love to have your support to keep the podcast up and running. You can donate as little or as much as you'd like to support the podcast. All you need to do is go to the link in the show notes or visit our website at thinkdyslexia.me and click support the podcast and it will take you exactly where you need to be. Oh, and one last thing. Don't forget to subscribe, comment, and of course, share this podcast with others who are on the same journey as you. So... I just kind of threw that one out there, but really looking at their placements of letters. So not necessarily where it's placed on the paper, but how big it's placed on a sheet. Also making letters the right size. So that's what I was just discussing right there. Spacing letters and words. So I have seen students who do struggle with that fine motor writing component where an OT has said, okay, use two fingers and they write a word and they put two fingers in between. Then they write another word and put two fingers in between. Now, obviously, long-term, that is exhausting. 
you tend to lose your flow if you have to stop and then put two fingers, stop and put two fingers. But it's a strategy to give them a sense of, oh, my words are too close, so I need to space them out. Holding and controlling a pencil is definitely a sign and symptom. Holding paper with one hand while writing with the other. So, you know, when we are thinking about how we're writing, we sometimes have one paper that can anchor while we're writing. And so kind of looking at what that looks like with your child or student and how that impacts their writing could be a sign and symptom. Applying the right amount of pressure on the paper with a writing tool. So this one is interesting. I've had students where I'm not giving them a mechanical pencil. I'm giving them a regular, what are those called? Ticonderoga. Ticonderoga. Now I'm saying that wrong. I know you all know what I'm talking about, but the old fashioned number two, you know, fill in the bubble Scantron pencils. So I've had students writing with those. And it's interesting because the tip would keep breaking and then they would sharpen it and then it would break, then it would sharpen, then it would break, then they would sharpen. And you could see the frustration. And it really, that's an indicator of they're applying way too much pressure on the pencil to the paper. And when that happens, as you can, see the cycle, it really turns into a frustrating process to even want to write. So again, that's where that OT comes in to really, I don't know what it is they do with that to help that, but it's bringing that awareness of, you know, it could be stress, it could be gripping it too tightly, whatever it is, but that's definitely a sign and symptom. And using the right arm position and posture for writing. So I'm not exactly quite sure what that means. And I know to any OTs that are out there, they probably know what that means. But these are all some signs and symptoms that really present as a difficulty with handwriting and that fine motor skills for dysgraphia. So when we are looking closely, we might see types of errors and difficulties that look like this. So letters written from the bottom up instead of the top down. This is something you often see with our dyslexic students. So it's hard for me to really describe it using my voice. I'd have to kind of visually show you, but you could see students start at the bottom with their L's or I've seen students start at the bottom with lowercase e. It's interesting to see how they are writing it from the outside going in. And you can also tell if you have a trained eye. I know a lot of folks in the academy who've put in hundreds and hundreds of hours of working with dyslexic students, you can look at a piece of writing and tell where a student started. Was it at the bottom or was it at the top? So those are definitely some signs and symptoms as well. Letters written with too many strokes or the strokes are done in the wrong order. So maybe they've started with the letter H, but maybe the H started off as an N and then maybe they realize, oh, this looks like an N. Let me add in another line that looks bigger, but maybe it's not as connected and neat. So things like that can definitely be an indicator. Words and sentences floating above and below the line. So these are some things that I've seen my pre-K daughter do, but that's probably a little bit developmental because she's five. But as kids get older, if you're seeing, this was always my favorite, I would see students have a word and they would break up the word in a place that wasn't appropriate to break it up. So it wasn't like redo and the prefix was on a line and then they put a dash and put do on the other line. It would be, I don't know, it could be cat and they would have C-A and then go to another line and put T. That definitely is a sign 
that there's some motor dysgraphia, messy handwriting at play as well. Words or sentences are written too much or too little on a slant. So again, not following those lines that are there, not seeing that perceptual and depth position is really critical. Letters and words are spaced unevenly and they're running in together. So that ties into that, putting the two fingers in between each word. Maybe they're jumbled together. So it's really hard to understand and see. And some letters might be darker while other letters might be lighter. So that gives us an indicator of that pressure point. So maybe they're applying more pressure on a longer word, but then maybe a shorter word, there isn't as much pressure. So those are some signs and symptoms for messy handwriting. This again was taken from understood.org. Definitely dig a little bit further into this. This is a great article for you to kind of look at. So you can go to understood.org and you can type in types of dysgraphia and they will kind of break it down for you with messy handwriting and what you need to know. So I hope you found this very helpful. The next episode, I will be talking about accommodations and how we can support our dysgraphic students within the classroom. See you next week.